If you don't mind, remain standing as I read uh, a portion of God's scripture here. We have uh, Jonah chapter 4 at, uh, uh, at our beck and call this morning. So uh, we want to do due diligence to, to read it well. Um, if you have it in your scriptures, Jonah chapter 4. If not, we've also printed out bulletins or a booklet for you that you can find it there. So Jonah chapter 4 says this. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this why I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat at the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till it should see that uh, till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appeared uh, appointed a plant and made it come over uh, up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun arose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry? And do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes. I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand and also much cattle? This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. And so Jesus, as we open up this last chapter of Jonah, allow us now to have your hearts penetra- our hearts penetrated by these words. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so go ahead and grab a seat again. Welcome to the conclusion of Jonah. Uh, in a few minutes, this stage will be uh, filled with all kinds of smiling young children that have been walking through the book of Jonah uh, this summer with us. And we do this a couple of times of a year in the summer and then also at Christmas time where the big kids out front and the little kids out back, we, we kind of sync up and we teach very similar lessons so that we as a family unit right? Both the family unit uh, nuclear and then also as a family, a church family, a faith family, we can walk along very similar things, uh, themes. So uh, in a few minutes, these kids will come and they're going to share memory verses and songs and these kinds of things. So you are in for a treat for sure. Parents, thanks so much for lending us your kids this summer. Um, So, all right, so chapter four, a very, very different chapter, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever read Jonah chapter four, but it's it's the most bizarre conclusion of uh, of a book. It really is strange because in chapter three, we see the descent of God's anger toward, uh, toward Nineveh. And so God's anger is doing this. Yet in chapter four, you see something different. You see Jonah's anger continuing to increase. 
So as God is relenting into his anger in chapter 3, you see a very different story in chapter 4. We actually see a pretty, like, um, we see Jonah pitching a, a, temp, a temper tantrum, basically. He is a pouty prophet or something to that effect. So today we're going to talk a little bit about anger. It was about five years ago, and uh, we were on vacation. And I don't know if you're a dad in here or not, but there's a lot of pressure to be a dad uh, when you're on vacation because you're supposed to bring happiness, and you're supposed to bring smiles to your children's faces. And so this is what vacation is, is you're proving your worth to your children by making them smile. Like, hey, I'm going to spend all this money just to see you glow, darling. And that's the point of vacation. Now, I don't know who came up with that, but that is the exchange rate. I dump all kinds of money to see my kids smile. I dump a lot of money so that they can smile. I mean, it's something like that, and it's awful. The pressure is, I mean, just terrible. So about four or five years ago, we find ourselves in Orlando. Not Disney World. Don't tell the kids. We find ourselves in the city of Orlando, right? And so it was amazing. And I promised my kids ice cream every single day. Every single day. Like, hey. We're going to have ice cream. It's amazing. It rained that Monday, Tuesday morning, something like this. The kids were inside the condo all day, and they were starting to gripe at one another. They're starting to pick fights, and they're not smiling. They're not smiling. And so as a parent, knowing all the wisdom of the world, to be able to invoke like wisdom upon my children, I do this. I was like, fine, no ice cream for you guys. Instead of everyone getting an ice cream, I'm going to split it in half. So you have to share your ice cream. They did not understand that type of parenting so we thought we had a crisis on our hands before now that I've taken half the ice cream they go berserk and I'm like let's go so we're leaving the condo and we're marching over this bridge over this lake I'm like aren't we having fun and so we're marching and we get to this ice cream shop and I don't know who does the marketing for ice cream shops all around the world but this particular place had an ice cream shop made out of glass so you could see everything that was going on inside, right? 100, 360 degrees full of glass so you could look inside. There's sparkles and there's rainbow sherbet. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. So you want, they want to pull you inside, basically. So finally, I take half of them in there. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get three ice creams. Well, the, as we're marching over the, um, the bridge, I have one unnamed child that continues to pounce you know just just wearing me out just wearing out and so that's where the wisdom of fatherly uh advice like the, the father of all wisdom just comes and teleports through me and I go all right no ice cream for you I'm proving a point right I mean, she blows a gasket. I mean, an absolute black, a gasket. So what I have, at my, I have three children inside of the ice cream shop and three on the outside looking in. And of the three looking in, I have one that knows she's not getting any ice cream. And so at some point, they start handing out the ice cream. One, two, three. And Nicole is literally sitting on this child, like, corralling her right and somehow she gets loose from Nicole and she finds herself pinned up against the glass like this right like pinned up like a zoo animal like this looking on the inside of what is not hers and then she starts hitting the glass I'm, I'm not kidding she hits the glass and she goes I want one I want one and she's just glued like this 
And so all the people that are on the inside are now looking outside and going, whose child is this? And everyone at the resort is now looking at this said child that's pinned up against the glass and saying, must be a preacher's kid. Um, <laughs> homeschoolers these days. I mean, just it was, it was awful, right? And so she is just absolutely bananas. And um, I have a little one, just a huge heart, actually walk over to her, hand her the ice cream, and the tears go away, just like that. One act of kindness, right, made all the tears go away. But there is something inside of our hearts that when we don't get what we want, we are pinned up against whatever we want, and we're pounding, and we're going, I want one. That's our hearts, and that's what we see here in Jonah chapter 4 is him pounding the glass against the Lord, saying, this is not what I want. This is not what I want. So chapter 4 starts out like this. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. What is he angry about? Do you remember chapter 3? Do you remember what he is actually angry about? Like straight up revival has hit Nineveh. I mean, the entire city is bowing before the Lord and saying, maybe God will relent his anger against me. From the king all the way down to the lowest, the highest, I mean, everything has changed for this entire city. And this is what makes Jonah upset. Seeing someone get something that they do not deserve. And our pouty prophet is truly just exceedingly angry. And so the first point that I think we should just look at as we're concluding this, this chapter is that maybe, just maybe, that we are more like Jonah than we realize. Like just maybe, just maybe, I want us to see our hearts exceedingly angry when people get things that they don't necessarily deserve. And it's a shocking way to end the, end the book, isn't it? It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. But if you look at the original language, if you go back and just look at the ancient text, it's even more shocking. It says this in the original. It says, it was evil to Jonah, a great evil, and it burned to him. So that's a wooden translation, and it's not very good. But he, he, did, he moves beyond displeasure, and he moves to evil. It was evil to Jonah, great evil. And so why in the world would Jonah look at all of this goodness Right, the repentance of, of an entire wicked city and see it as exceedingly evil. I wonder what types of things you and I are looking at that we would bring us displeasure. The things that look beautiful that actually make us upset with the Lord. Like who in their right mind would stand at the rim of the Grand Canyon and look at all of its beauty and all of its might and all of its power and its grandeur or what happens if you look at a bride walking down the aisle, glowing in white and glowing with smiles? Or what if you had like the greatest job promotion ever? Or you inked the greatest deal that you've ever done? Right? Why would anyone look at those things and say it brings displeasure to me? However, if you can't see and you've never been able to see grandeur or power or beauty or color. And you're surrounded by people who are talking and going on and on. At how great or how big or how deep or how wide or how glorious or how beautiful. 
If you're unable to see, there is something in your heart that wants what they have, and your heart becomes bitter. Or maybe you are single, and so every time you find yourself at a wedding, and even though you're happy for the bride, you find her, and there's just something in your heart where you're like, well, I didn't get that again. Something that is beauty, beautiful. Somehow our hearts make it displeasurable to us. If you didn't get the job promotion, or you had just gotten fired, or someone leapt over you to get that job, you can now start to see your heart starting to, to, to tremor a little bit, right? And we're starting to understand Jonah's heart just a little bit. Maybe, just maybe, our hearts look a little bit like, more like Jonah than we realize. Chapter 4, we see God extending his mercy and his grace toward Nineveh. Remember, Nineveh is great, right? But it's not just great, they're ruthless, and they're full of power, and they're, they're a truly, they're a terrible people. And we see God extending mercy, extending grace, extending beauty to people that do not deserve it. I mean, God's people, uh, you will be my people and I will be your God. God's people, they are the ones who deserve right? Beauty and grace and power. They're the ones who get it, not Nineveh. Nineveh's terrible. They do everything to oppress God's people and like shun God himself. And so why would God want to extend mercy to those types of people? Because they're bad. They're really, really bad. And bad people deserve to be judged. Bad people deserve to be punished. They must pay for what they have done. When Jonah looked at Nineveh, they had done nothing to earn God's privilege. They've done nothing to gain his attention. And yet God, in his character, leans in toward Nineveh. And this could not drive Jonah any more batty. The covenant God of Israel was giving advantages to pagans. Jonah continued to look at that exchange and continued to call it call it completely displeasure or even evil in his own heart. How many exchanges in your life so far have you looked at things that were supposed to be yours that you did not get or someone else getting the advantage that you did not get and you find yourself dis, you know, displeased with the Lord? Every time, and that's a very natural thing. I mean, I am Jonah. You are Jonah. Our hearts are just like Jonah in that it's, it's our displeasure to the Lord because we don't get what we want. But in that exchange, we have to realize that at that moment, we think that we are more wise than God is. Every time we think that, that we have been done wrong, we believe that we're more wise than God. And so I wish that I could say that I can't relate to Jonah, but I can. All right? Because I will receive God's mercy. I will receive God's grace all day long. That's what I want to do. I want to receive God's grace. And yet when I have to hand it over, I'm very stingy with things. Take, for instance, parenting, right? I've received God's grace. I understand what it means to get something that I do not deserve. And yet, and yet when I parent, I usually parent like I'm a legalist or they have to earn my favor or they have to do what, I'm suppo what, what they're supposed to do. So I'm eager to receive grace, but not willing to hand it over. Or take, for instance, being a husband, right? I will eagerly, right, eagerly receive forgiveness from Jesus. All of my sins forgiven. 
And yet when, G- when Nicole does one little thing, right, bitterness rises up in my heart toward her. Resentment immediately toward her. That's our heart. That's how fickle our hearts are. We're eager to receive grace, but we're not willing to give it away. Maybe, just maybe, we're a lot more like Jonah than we give credit to. The second thing that we need to kind of look at in chapter 4 is that Jonah is complaining against the very thing that is keeping him alive, right? He's fussing at God, and he's fussing at God's grace, and he's He's fussing at God's kindness, and that's the very thing that is keeping Jonah alive. Do you remember chapter 2, right? Do you remember what happened? There was a fish that gobbled him up and kept him safe from drowning. And so the very thing that he, that he is complaining again is the very thing that he has been able uh, to, to understand. How quickly, how quickly, how quickly do we forget God's grace in our life? We are complaining against the very thing that is keeping us alive. We are very bad historians, and not historians as in like George Washington or or Napoleon, bad historians of our own life and our own story and how quickly we forget God's grace to us. This is our complaint, and this is our emotion way too often, is anger. The base of Jonah is just this idea that he is so very angry. When we forget God's grace in our own life, when we forget God's mercy in our own life, we become angry people. My question is to you this morning, are you angry? Do you find yourself like bursting in anger more often than not? Discontented, displeased, frustrated, sulking, whatever you want to call it. There's a chance that Jonah's living inside you and what you've done simply is you've forgotten where you've come from. You've forgotten God's pleasure in your life. You've forgotten that God is actually doing a grand work in your life and you're just becoming a a bad historian at that point. You see, when anger is in our hearts and we're angry at situations, we understand that sometimes, some way, that anger toward the situation quickly becomes anger toward God himself. This is where Jonah is. It quickly moved away from being angry that Nineveh repented and more angry that God is the one who is doing, allowing this to happen. And so it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry and he prayed to the Lord and he says, and he says, oh Lord, is not this, this thing right here, this, the repentance of Nineveh, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee for Tarshish. For I knew that you were gracious, that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. The emotion is that is that we have anger and we quickly move away from God in that, in that idea. That Jonah is complaining against the very grace that has kept him alive. What kept Jonah alive? Well, the fact that God himself was gracious. What kept Jonah alive in the Mediterranean Sea? That, he was, that God was slow to anger. What, was, what kept him alive? That, he was a, that God was abounding in steadfast love and resi- relenting from disaster. And Jonah was not able to give that back to the Lord. 
Jonah was complaining about the very grace that kept him alive. So Nineveh was really, really bad. And so when you see like injustice, right? When you see that, you want them to be punished, right? When you see enemies, you want enemies to be condemned. If you see evil, right, you want evil to be judged. That's the exchange. And so when evil people or, or, or enemies of God or people who have done wrong, if they get anything but judgment, that's what really sets us off. Anything less than condemnation and judgment and punishment was unsatisfactory to Jonah. Unsatisfactory. Jonah is literally pounding, right, an ice cream wall and saying, I want one. But his I want one was I want them dead. And yet, what do we see at the end of the story? We see that, that, uh, that God is like truly, he is the God of compassion. And he is the God of love. So much so that, that Jonah is arguing with the Lord. And just, I mean, just arguing and arguing and arguing. He says, uh, verse 9, But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for this plant that I've given you? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to not die. Then verse 10 says this, And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being that night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there were more than 120,000 people who did not know their right hand from their left? God's character is very consistent. And he is being both, he is showing pity toward the city of Nineveh and toward Jonah himself. Most of the commentaries believe that Jonah was autobiographical, that he actually wrote the story. And so this story was a story that after all of these events that he actually went back and wrote himself into the story. So how, was, how did God treat Jonah? Even though Jonah was fighting and asking questions, how did God treat Jonah? He continued to be gracious. He continued to be merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love. So much so that Jonah was able to write himself many years later back into the story and allow himself to be criticized and scrutinized for all of these many years. We are Jonah. And we are Nineveh. And whether we are personally rebelling against God, and we are rebels, or we are a great city that as an entire society has like berated God, berated God, God continues to be merciful and gracious and slow to anger toward us, both personally and corporately. This is a story not about a well, right? It's not about a big fish. It truly is about a big God who has pursued us personally and corporately. Let me pray for us. And so Jesus, as we wrap up this, help us to realize that God, you have been truly merciful toward us. And you love us so very much. Thank you for pursuing us even when we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Help us to realize that we don't have to clean ourselves up to come to you. You continue to pursue those who are far from you and, and, and do really horrible things. That is just the scandal of grace. That's the scandal of what you have done for us. Is that you died for us even while we were yet far from you. Help us to receive the message of Jonah. Receive the message of Jesus that you love us so very much. And it's in your good name. Amen.